Please turn your Bibles to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. Now, I am going to begin reading in verse 14. We need to get to verse 32 very quickly, because that's where we are picking up today. But you need to get some context. So in John chapter 7, beginning in verse 14, it says, Now about the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And it goes into saying, the Jews marveled, saying, how does this man know letters, or literally the Hebrew scriptures, having never studied? Remember again, he didn't go to all their accredited institutions. Okay, and they're surprised that somebody could learn anything outside of them. Verse 16, it says, and Jesus answered them and said, my doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. In other words, he said, listen, while you're quoting people, I'm, I'm literally speaking to you from God himself. This is God's voice. Amen? They were just used to hearing other people quote other people. <laughs> okay? Verse 17, he says, If anyone wants to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. Remember again that the, that the Spirit of God will confirm the Word of God in your heart. Amen? Verse 18, and he said, He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory or his own advancement, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true, and no righteousness is in him. So Jesus was looking to glorify God. Amen? Not to glorify himself. Now this is a bit of a dilemma because people need to come to him because he is God. But what he's saying is coming from the Father. Verse 19, he says, Did not Moses give you the law, yet none of you keeps the law? Why do you seek to kill me? Now I want you to notice again, he says, Moses gave you the law, but you're not keeping it. He's <laughs> saying, you people, by wanting to kill me, are not keeping the law. Which says, don't kill. Okay, in fact, it says, do not do, not do murder. Alright, it's actually murder, not kill. Verse 20, and it says, the people answered, murder is the shedding of innocent blood. That's, okay, alright. Verse 20, and the people answered and said, you have a demon. <laughs> Who is seeking to kill you? Remember again, whenever you point people's flaws out, they, they just want to throw it back at you. And they get defensive and mad. And this is exactly what's going on. Verse 21, Jesus answered and said to them, I did one work and you all marvel. So this all began at the pool of Bethesda. Remember, he healed a man. He told the man to pick up his bed and walk. This man is happily going home and he gets grilled by the, uh, uh, the religious police. What are you doing carrying your bed on the Sabbath day? Remember that? And all, I mean, we didn't care he got healed. We didn't care he'd been that way for, I don't know, about 30 something years. We cared that he was carrying his bed on the wrong day of the week. That's how ridiculous religion is. Verse 22, he says, Moses therefore gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers, going back to Abraham, and you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If a man receives, verse 23, if a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses should not be broken, are you angry with me that I made a, a man completely well on the Sabbath? Now remember again, the, the law uh, allowed a work of necessity, all right, in, in, in circumcising a child. And Jesus is saying, if your law allowed this, uh, a work of necessity, why would it not allow a work of mercy? He says, you people are missing this. Verse 24, he says, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Then we went on to verse 25, it says, now some of them from Jerusalem said, is this not he who they seek to kill? 
Verse 26, but look, he speaks boldly or openly, and they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is truly the Christ? <laughs> you know, they're saying normally somebody says anything against these people and they're tossed out. You know, before you can blink your eyeballs. You know what I'm trying to say? They're just out, man. But they're saying, how come they're letting him speak? So they're saying, maybe they know something they're not telling us. Maybe they figured out this guy is the Messiah. All right, this is going to carry over now and become a problem. Verse 27, however, now watch, you know, this is natural reasoning. Always kicks in, doesn't it? Oh, a miracle happened. Yeah, but. You know, the yeah, buts come in. Watch out for the butts, all right? It says, however, he says, we know where this man is from and who his parents are is what it's actually implying there. But when Christ comes, no one knows where he's from. It's a ridiculous statement. I explained this to you before. They had these, you know, misgivings about Jesus suddenly appearing. Remember again, it goes back to his second appearance when he comes back. He's going to come suddenly. Okay, and so these people, see, this is why a little bit of knowledge is dangerous. You don't mess things up. Okay, and so they're thinking, well, when Jesus, when the Christ comes, we won't know where he's coming from. He's going to suddenly appear from nowhere, you know. And so anyway, they, they we're getting this all wrong. Where was I? Verse 20, I had a lot of notes there. Verse 28, okay. He says, then Jesus cried out and, uh, as he taught in the temple saying, you both know me and you know where I'm from. But the actual text, remember I said, is a question mark. So he's actually not saying you guys know me. He said, do you really think you know me? Okay. So in the literal text, where it says, and this is really sad, okay? In the literal text, when it says, you both know me and where I'm from, it actually says, so you think you know me and you know where I'm from. Because he say, he's basically saying to them, you have no idea where I come from. If you did, you'd be on your knees right now. Okay, this is God. They're, you know, in temple and everything. You know what I'm trying to say? All right. Uh, verse 29. Did I finish verse 28? Doesn't matter, I did it before. Verse 29. <laughs> he says, but, but I know him, for I am from him, and he, he sent me. Now, this is something interesting that he says, the person that you're looking for, the person that you don't realize who I'm from, he says, I know that person. He's the one that actually sent me, and that's where I've come from. So he said, there are two things you don't know about me. You don't know what, what my origin is, and neither do you know the person that actually sent me. Th- those are two very important things. His origin was heaven, and the Father sent him. Okay? Moving on. All right, verse 30. He said, therefore, they sought to take him. Eh, you know, they're always upset about something. Okay? They knew, they realized what he was saying. Now, you need to get this because when they crucify him, they, it wasn't like, oh, we didn't know. These people are going to know exactly what they're doing. Okay? Therefore, they sought to take him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Remember again, nothing is going to happen to him until God allows this. Okay? Now, but I said to you before, isn't it interesting that he waited to the middle of the feast before he turned up? Now, he could have just come up the beginning of the feast and said, well, God will look after me. I'll just throw myself out there. And then something go wrong and it's like, oh, God, why? You know, God says, I, I didn't tell you to go. But it was a good thing. But it wasn't a God thing. Did you hear what I said? The good thing was to go at the beginning of the feast. The God thing was to go in the middle. 
Anyway, never mind. Okay, so, <laughs> you know, you need to stay in God's will if you want God's provision, God's protection, and so on and so forth. Can I get an amen on that one? Okay, all right. Verse 31, and many of the people believed in him and said, when Christ comes, I love this, will he do more signs than these, which this man has done? So there's an argument going on here. Right. They're having all kinds of issues with this. Some people want to kill him. Other people are going, why? Do I, what more can we expect from, from the Christ if he comes? I mean, sheesh. What, what is it that we're looking for? Good question. Verse 32, and we're there. How long did that take? Okay, no, 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 tell me. All right, verse 32. The Pharisees heard the crowd murmuring these things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. Now, I need to educate you. All right, I really need to educate you on this because you don't understand what has just been said here. Let me, let, some quotes. I'm sorry, Kistamaka isn't here. Okay, so <laughs> Andrew was saying, ah, where's Simon? <laughs> I'm, I'm missing him. <laughs> Dude didn't write a commentary on this, you know, sadly. He's, he's protege did. All right, so um, <laughs> and we'll see what he says in just a minute, which is William Hendrickson. So before we look at this verse uh, for what it's saying, it is important to note that the Pharisees and the chief priests didn't generally get along. Now, this is really important that you get this, okay? The reason being that the, most of the chief priests were Sadducees. You know, they were the blue bloods. And you couldn't become a Sadducee unless you were born into the right family and you had all the right connections. You know what I'm trying to say? It was one of those kind of very elite things, and the Pharisees hated that. Because you basically could not become a, Pharisee, a Sadducee unless you were born in the right place. The right, you know, the, that blue blood wasn't there. Forget about it. You're not royalty, <laughs> peasant. So there was no serious. So there was this, this, this animosity between them. Okay, and so because the Pharisees, you know, basically with them, you studied the scriptures and you know you did all those things. Of course, you had to come from the right line, so to speak, as well. But but it was it was one of those things that you know basically anybody could get there, but not with the Sadducees. Okay, all right. So. They were political, so the Sadducees were political and religious opponents of the Pharisees. But because of their mutual and severe hatred for Jesus, they actually put aside their differences and decide to work together just long enough to get rid of him. Can you believe this? These are the religious people. This is not some terrorist group. Act like it, but... <laughs> And they're not. You really need to get a hold of this because something is going on here that we really need to see and we really need to understand that just because there is a religious hierarchy, you know, we used to be, there's to be this thing, and I probably is still there, that if you're not, uh, you know, recommended by the right people and, you know, got the right accreditations and all of that stuff, you can't do anything. Doesn't matter if the anointing of God is on you, the hand of God is on you, the power of God is on you. We don't care about all that stuff. Do you have the piece of paper? Where is your recommendation? What priest said you could come and preach here? That's what they want to know. Do you know John the Baptist didn't have any of those things? You, you asked him for it and slapped you. And said, go get some fruits of repentance. What is wrong with you? 
You bunch of vile. Never mind. I'm going to stop now. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, he let him have it right between the eyeballs, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> as for the reason why, William Hendrickson explains, as the Pharisees saw it, things were beginning to look very serious. People were actually beginning to regard this imposter as the true Messiah. The mumbling of the voices which expressed these sentiments had been heard. Intervention was necessary. So they're going, this cannot continue. We need to do something about this. Isn't it sad? All this, I, I really want to bring this to you. All this began because he healed someone. He didn't attack them. He didn't, you know, do something horrible to them. This person was in this condition for, I believe, over 30 years, and he heals this person. And Jesus says, I did one thing. And according to your interpretation of the law, it was on the wrong day. Well, I'm telling you that as far as God is concerned, that's why he says, God was working. Which means he said, if what you believe is true, then this should not have happened. Which tells us that what you're believing is wrong. But you think, isn't this true today? What you think God wants and what God actually wants are two different things. How many wars have started in the name of religion? Like God's up there going, yeah, kill him, kill him. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know what the Bible says? For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son, John 3.16. That whoever believes in him, we're not going to check what lineage you're from. Will not perish but have everlasting life. Amen? So, as the, as the verse states, they decide to dispatch the temple gods. Now, now, this is important, okay? This is the kind of temple police that was drawn from the Levites with primary responsibility for maintaining order in the temple area to go and arrest Jesus at a time that will cause minimum commotion in a crowded city bursting with messianic expectations. Isn't this interesting? Okay? Now, I, I really need to point out the fact that these guys are Levites. They're from the priestly line. They're not just thugs. They're not mercenaries. You know, mercs. Out for hire. You know, you want me to take them out? I'll take them out. They won't ever find the body. Don't worry about it. <laughs> no, this is, this is really important. That the, 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 the guards are actually from a priestly line. So they are people that know the word of God. You really need to get a hold of this because you're not going to understand something that's going to happen later on that is going to set the Pharisees off. Okay? Okay. And what the Pharisees say is going to be wrong because of the facts that I've just given you. All right. As Leon Morris uh, so eloquently puts it, the authorities wanted an arrest, not a riot. <laughs> okay? So they said, go and just when you get a chance... If the opportunity comes where, you know, the crowds disperse a little bit and he's kind of by himself a little bit, then grab him, nab him, put a bag over his head and bring him. You know, you know what I'm trying to say? They, they were just there to take him. So <laughs> they wait patiently for an opportune moment to arrest the Lord. But while they waited, they listened and listened 
and something extremely unexpected happened, which I won't tell you. So we'll get to verses 45 and 46 to see what actually happened, because you can't stand in, you know, under the teaching and the anointing of Jesus and not get something, unless your heart is black and cold and will not receive, like, like these religious leaders were. Okay. So, continuing on verse 33. And Jesus said to them, I love this. He said, I shall be with you a little while longer, and then I go to him who sent me. Now, here we find that Jesus actually knew that within six months, so it's six months from the time he's going to be crucified. Okay. That was at the Feast of Passover, and it was a very special Passover as well. All right. That... At this point in time, that's how close he was to going to the cross. All right? As William Hendrickson puts it, he will then return to his sender, having fully accomplished the task that had been entrusted to him. Verse 34, he says, Now you will seek me and not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. Now, there is something incredible in what he just said here. If you just read this on the surface, you're not going to get a lot from this. So I want to break it apart right now. I want to unpack it and I want to share some things with you. Okay? William MacDonald explains there would, come, there would come in their lives a time when they would need a savior, but it would be too late. He would have gone back to heaven and because of their unbelief and wickedness, they would not be able to meet him there. Did you get that? He continues, the words of this verse are especially solemn. They remind us that there is such a thing as the passing of opportunity. Men and women may have the opportunity to be saved today. If they reject it, they may never have the opportunity again. Wow. Hmm? I want to I wanna pause here for a minute. You know, we really need to be careful what we say no to God, you know, too. Because just even after we get saved... This is not just salvation. And yes, it has the most extreme, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, consequences when it's salvation. But there are other consequences along the way. You know, there is a point in time where God will ask you to do something after you become a Christian. And if you don't do it, that time will come and go. You need to be careful that you are not um, being careless with that time. We all need to be careful how we decide on things. How much we reject things when they come up. You know, uh, Pastor Vandana said something tremendous last week. You know, in that she said, there are times when you sow, it's for a time that's coming, that God can see is coming, and that's what you're sowing for. Because everybody goes, well, I gave this week and nothing came back. What happened? This stuff doesn't work. Six months from now, everything goes wrong. And you go, God, where's the provision? He goes, where's the seed? I asked you to plant the thing. It would have been grown by now. You're going to be eating off that tree. But no, no, no. We have to go vine about it. And then we're complaining and blah, blah, blah. You know, we really need to be careful of the opportunities we let go past us. Amen? Amen? Okay. 
Of course the Jews failed to understand the meaning of what Christ had just said. So it goes in to say in verse 37, uh, excuse me, verse 35, John chapter 7, it says, Then the Jews said among themselves, Where does he intend to go that we shall not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion amongst the Greeks and teach the Greeks? In other words, they thought, maybe he's going to go on a preaching tour now. Maybe because we're threatening him and he's going, you know what? That's it. I'm taking this on the road. See you later. Bye. <laughs> okay. See how the natural mind thinks? Has no idea. Can't pick up on spiritual things at all. These are the spiritual leaders. This is like going to the, you know... Aeronautics Academy, and you start talking about flight, and they go, "What is flight?" <laughs> then you run out the outside the building, and you check that the sign is aeronautical. Okay, yep. So you run back in and go, "What do you mean you don't know about this? What What are you talking about? How stupid will that be? Maybe I'll go be a mechanic or something. You know, maybe gardener. <laughs> At least those guys know what they're talking about." This is ridiculous. This, these were meant to be the religious leaders. They were meant to have spiritual insights. Do you hear what I'm trying to say here? And they don't get anything that Jesus says. Do you know why? Because they don't want to know. Because they're comfortable in their religion. Religion is a horrible thing. It is the way which man appeases his conscience by swinging a smoky bucket or, you know, polishing some brass or doing something that you say I've done something good. Therefore, I feel like God will have to let me in because I did that thing, God. And God says, who are you? I don't know you. But I did all these things in your name. He goes, who? Because angels, y'all know this one? <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, no. See, a lot of people get all nervous about that passage. When it says, we did all these things in your name. And he says, I never knew you. And he talks about just before that, everybody just never reads the stuff before it. And they never read what Jesus actually says about it. When he says, you workers of iniquity. Healing someone and doing all those things are not iniquity. Jesus has just shown us that these are acts of mercy. So their iniquity must be something else altogether. Are you all with me? And so they, you know, people like to do stuff in the name of the Lord because they can nick your money. That's an Australian way of putting it. All right. So these people, because of what he said think he's going to go and preach now to the Gentiles. It's very interesting that that's exactly what's going to happen. Remember he said when the, the Roman centurion came, and you know, he said, I'll come and heal the servant. Remember that? And, and Jesus says, I mean, the centurion says, no, no, no. You know, it's, I, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. Just speak the word only, and my servant will be healed. And then Jesus spins off into something really important. I used to read that and go, Jesus, you flipped, you know, you skipped the groove, dude. You know, it just wanders off somewhere and comes back. And I didn't realize the significance of the thing. Because he suddenly goes and he says, and people will come from the east and the west and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, Abraham and they'll be sitting and I'm thinking, what happened? 
He said, speak the word only. You're carrying on about something else now. <laughs> I didn't get. This is what it's talking about. He said he, he hasn't found so great faith, not in the nation of Israel, as he's seen in this Gentile. And he said, this is going to be, an, this is what's going to be happening. People are going to come from outside the nation of Israel that are going to excel in their faith from the east and the west and from everywhere. And they are going to be sitting with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Oh, the table didn't say Jews only. It says believers only. And we'd all be sitting in that same table. Huh? So, in a funny way, they're prophesying what's coming. And he, <laughs> verse 36, and he says, uh, what is this thing that he said, you will seek me and not find me, and where I am, you cannot come. In his commentary, Leon Morris puts it so well when he says, it is clear that the saying puzzled them greatly. And it not only puzzled them, it apparently made them uneasy. I love what he says here. Was there perhaps some meaning in it that still eluded them? Was the man from Nazareth mocking them? Should they have understood more? Yes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> McDonald adds, the, the Jews illustrate, listen, listen to this, the blindness of unbelief. Really love the way he put that. There is no heart as dark as the heart that refuses to accept the Lord Jesus. In our own day, we have the expression, there are none so blind as those who will not see. This was exactly the cause here, or the case here, excuse me. There are none so blind as those who will not see. It's an act of your will not to see. And these people, were, they just willed not to see. Do you know that's the reason why Jesus started preaching in parables? Have you ever wondered why he suddenly switched to parables at one point in time? It was because of that. You'll also find, generally speaking, whenever he did something miraculous and he says, don't tell anybody, it wasn't, he didn't do that when he was preaching to the Samaritans and stuff. Because they were okay with it. <laughs> okay? But if he, if he healed somebody in a Jewish you know, sort of vicinity, he'd say, don't tell. Do you know why? Because they want to kill him. And he's saying, don't go tell them, because right now, something wonderful has happened to you. Don't let somebody else spoil it. Do you hear me? You need to be careful. Sometimes the most religious people are the biggest problems you face. You think it comes from the world. But I'm going to tell you something. People who are religious can attack you in ways that they will sink your ship. You know, the world doesn't know half of the things that you know. And they might say something and you go, you don't know what you're talking about. But re re religious people can take stuff and twist it. You say, well, I'm believing freely. Oh, well, I tried that and everybody died. <laughs> what do you do with that? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, you're with me? I mean, they can sink your boat. Some of the... Some of the most difficult things I've had to deal with are the things that so-called religious leaders 
have said and put a case for. Of course, they didn't use all the scriptures. And these are people that are deans of Bible colleges. Do you know what I'm trying to say? And they say, oh, no, 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 all that healing stuff, that was, you know, you know, well, if that's true, well, why don't they go to the hospital and get everybody healed? And why don't they just go to the graves and just raise everybody from the dead? I'm thinking, are you like that stupid? I mean, seriously, are you like that stupid? You know, like, seriously, you obviously have no idea about being led by the Spirit. You have no, see, this is the whole thing, isn't it? You don't know what God wants. It's all about, well, if you can do it, you can do it for everybody. It's just like, <laughs> Only as God wills. You know, when he called Lazarus out of the tomb, it was just Lazarus. Yet he said, everybody come. They would have probably, but he didn't want to bring everybody back. Some of them are in heaven. They have, well, not yet. Anyway, you know, let's not go there. Okay, but, you know, even Jesus was very, very specific about who he raised. And these people, so-called Bible scholars, make stupid statements like that. And they said, well, you know, all that's passed away. And I look at John chapter 14 and verse 12. Put it up. We'll finish here. I look at this verse and I ask myself, what are the qualifications here? Whoever believes in him, the works that I do, he shall do also. And then he didn't stop there. Can we just stop for a second before we're moving on? What works did he do? Because some people say, oh, the greater works are we getting people saved. Sure, okay, that's a fantastic thing. But let, can we go back, one, just a half, back to the first half? He said, the works that I do, will he or she do also? So you need to list all the works of Jesus, including turning the water into wine. Walking on the thing, you know, water was nervous around Jesus. You know, they, it gets out of order, it goes, peace be still. Okay, now I'm going to walk on you. Okay, geez, we're getting walked on now. <laughs> Today I want to turn you into wine. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're losing identity. <laughs> you know, so, you know, like I said, water gets nervous around Jesus. But the thing is, you know, you see all the works that he does. These are works that he said, anyone who believes in me. The works that I do, he will do also. So I don't know where that passed away. It is ridiculous the way people come up with stuff. And you know, you just think, yeah, but brother, they are, you know, they've got all these letters after their name. You know what? Paul said the same thing. And you know what he said? All that stuff I consider, he used the word that I can't say in the colloquial here. I shall use the word dung. Yes, you know what I'm talking about. Waste products. He said, that's how I consider all of the stuff I got taught. That's how I consider all the letters after my name. <laughs> Amen. And I look at some of these people, and that's what I consider all the letters after their name. You know, like Shrek. Oh, this is the Lord of Anise Flushes, you know. <laughs> you can see a few pages out of the book taken out. We know where he used them, you know. So anyway, I'll stop now. 
because I ran out of time. Either that or they're trying to get me off now. Okay, so <laughs> I, ne- I needed to see something here. <laughs> Listen. We're going to see Jesus. We've made the right decisions. We're heading there. These people, sadly, would never see him. Because in the next chapter, the next chapter, in verse 44, he's going to identify them and say, you are of your father, the devil. Do you understand? And then this is going to make a lot more sense when he says, where I'm going, you can't follow. Do you know why? Because you don't want to. You don't want this. How sad. But not for us. Hallelujah. We're the ones that came from the east and the west, and we're still doing it. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word. And we just thank you, Father. We thank you for Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for what he did. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for what you did. And we thank you for going to the cross for us, dying for us. I thank you for the Apostle Paul that said, all you have to do, confess with your mouth. Jesus, Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. We thank you, Lord, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And I thank you that anybody watching online right now receives this. Hallelujah. Salvation is not complicated. It's the simple, just a simple statement of saying, Jesus, I make you Lord. And that's it. And along with that will come the Spirit. Hallelujah. That heavenly empowerment. I thank you for that, for all of us here today. In Jesus' name. Amen.